0: You're listening to the Oasis Church Podcast. I got a message on my heart this morning. You can remain seated, but I want to share with you something that I think is so important. I was flying back, and the flight was very long, and we were flying back, and just God put something in my heart that I think is really, really important. He put on my heart this issue of not letting things reenter back into our lives, And so I've been thinking about that, and I thought, okay, how can we end this message series on God living big in me And 2023? I watched the service last week, by the way, an amazing job, worship team. Jennifer just blew it up. I was kissing the screen, like, let's make out. I can't wait to get back. We're gonna make out. But uh, I was just, I was so blessed by the message, and I thought, let me just add to what Jennifer said last week, because the enemy wants to bring things back into our life always. Hang-ups, habits, mistakes, pain, issues, trauma, drama. He wants to bring back people, places, and circumstances that can trigger us to steal us from becoming what God has put in us. And so in 1 Samuel 28, this is the issue that was brought to my attention it says now Samuel had died and all of Israel had lamented for him. Samuel was the prophet of God, and they buried him at Ramah in his own city. And Saul, he's the king of Israel at the time, had put out the mediums and the spiritualists out of the land. That would be the tarot readers. That would be the uh, the people who are doing this psychic connection. Some of you older people remember when Dion Warwick had psychic friends, the Psychic Friends Network. Remember that Dion Warwick was in charge of that. And I thought, well, didn't Dion Warwick? Have a one-hit wonder? Do you know the way to San Jose? Like, she can't even find San Jose. How's she going to predict my future? But, I know, it's a corny joke. It's, it's an old one. But the mediums, and somebody like, Dion Warwick, who's that? But the mediums and the spiritualists out of the land. In other words, King Saul kicked him out. He didn't want any tarot reading. He didn't even want to know your future. He didn't want any of that. But then the Philistines gathered together, and they came in and camped Shunem. So Saul gathered all of Israel together and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul and saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. The Bible says he was handsome to look upon. He was tall, tan, terrific. I'm sure he had a beautiful long head of hair, and he was magnificent to look at, but his insides began to tremble because of fear. He trembled greatly. And so Saul inquired of the Lord, and the Lord didn't answer him, nor by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. So Saul said to his servants, find me a woman Who is a medium, then I may go to her and inquire of her. Now, wait a second. Didn't in verse three Saul kick him out of Israel? He did. But now, because of fear and intimidation, he's calling that thing back in which he banished and he kicked out. And his servant said to him, In fact, there's a woman who is a medium at Endor. And the Bible says that Saul disguised himself and he went back to inquire about something that he was so fearful of. So I want to encourage you on the danger of reentry, things in our life that try to re-enter back in to bring us pain, to bring us confusion, and to bring us shame. Can we pray over this message today? Father, thank you today for this message. Thank you today for your power, your anointing. God, do not let this go on deaf ears. Let this go on receptive hearts, open hearts, open minds, open spirits. So they will refuse to let the enemy to bring back things in their life that has been banished and not to be returned to them any longer. In Jesus' name, all of God's children said... Amen. Thank you so much. Again, thank you for being here, and thank you for just, I'm just shocked, you know, in three months you raised $185,000 to build that three-story church, orphanage, school, and, you know, we need a fourth floor. So if God's speaking to your heart, we'll put that fourth floor on it. But I want you to think about this today. I want you to think about this because, again, look at verse 3, and Pastor Tyon, happy birthday. Do you know Pastor Tyon? He is considerably older than me. I know it doesn't look like that way, but he's like 32 years older than me. It's true. Black don't crack. He's like hecka old, so happy birthday. Happy birthday. He's like hecka older than me too. I'm like, gosh, he looks so young. But let me begin with this thought, because Israel had never lost a battle because they were, they were up against an enemy that was stronger, because the enemy was never too strong to defeat Israel. Israel never lost a battle because the enemy was too mighty and too strong. Israel lost the battles because they weakened themselves through disobedience. You and I have never lost a battle because Satan is too strong. The powers and principalities are too mighty and they're too great. And we can no longer stand to resist the devil. Nobody on the planet has gotten a part of the enemy's life overwhelming them because the enemy is too strong. Just like Israel. It wasn't because the Philistines were too great, the Amalekites, the Amalekites, the termites or any otherites. It was because they weakened themselves through disobedience, not listening to the voice of the Lord. There's two interesting comparisons that I would drive to you today that are important. The first is 1 Samuel chapter 4. The battle is going on with the Philistines. So Israel, knowing that the fight is coming, they summon every known soldier that they can put their hands on and call for battle. So every soldier comes out to fight the Philistines. The Ark of the Covenant comes out. The priests blows the shofar and the bible says that they literally the shout of god started to shake the earth i mean it was a mighty scene to behold and israel goes out to battle and they lose the battle They lost the battle because of disobedience. Fast forward a few verses later, a few chapters later and here comes a man of God Jonathan and he's going out to fight the same army, the Philistines and he doesn't have the Israeli army behind him. He has one friend with him, an armor bearer and he goes up and he fights the Philistine armies and he defeats the army what takes two guys to do an army cannot do because it's never the strength of the enemy. It's always the strength of the believer of Jesus Christ. It's never because the enemy is too great, he's too mighty, he's too too strong. It depends on the state of the believer. It's what's on the inside of you and what are you willing to take on. Two people destroyed an army that thousands could not budge. Think about that. That's why where you and I are at spiritually really will determine whether you're going to be victorious in the day of battle. Where you're at spiritually will determine whether you're going to win the battle. It's important to know that. You say, well, how does that work in my day-to-day life? And how does Jesus deal with it? Jesus dealt with it in a similar way, but vastly different in its uh, in its complexity. He didn't talk about an army going out to fight. He talked about an internal fight that every believer has. And he talked about when your life is filled with the Lord, that you become an absolute overwhelming, victorious person. But when your life is filled with the wrong things, you find yourself absolutely defeated every single time. He talked about it this way in Luke chapter 11, verse 24. He talked about the house being cleaned out, clutter being taken out, and being swept clean. In other words, clean it out, sweep it out, get rid of all the stuff. And when you do that, it's important to clean out to, to clutter it out, and to sweep it out. How many of you know when you sweep out an r- empty room, you're really trying to get it clean? He's talking about get the stuff out, get those things out, clean it out, sweep it out. But how many of you know if it's not filled with the right stuff, the Bible says that the enemy comes back and it's seven times worse because he brings along his demonic friends and they come and dwell because that house is empty, it's clean and it's swept and it's not filled with the right stuff. That's why it is imperative and essential that you and I are filled with the right stuff and filled with the spirit of God. The Lord speaks about this issue and says the only way to go guard from re-entry of the enemy is being filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us this way, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be conformed to the world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind. In other words, don't let the enemy overwhelm you and get your influence by what you're doing and what you succumb to. When he's talking about not being drunk with wine, it's because you've come under the influence. You ever get around a drunk? There's two types of drunk. There's a happy drunk and the angry drunk. When people get drunk, the happy drunk, I love everybody. I love you, and I love you. I love you, and I love me. Then they're angry drunk. He starts swinging out the air. He wants to fight everything. There'll be a pole there, and he'll want to fight the pole. He starts to fight everything and everyone. The angry drunk and the happy drunk. It tells us don't be drunk. In other words, don't be under the influence of foreign things. Don't be under the influence of worldly things. That's why he says don't be conformed to the patterns and precepts of this world. Don't be conformed to Dr. Fauci. Don't be conformed to what the government says. Don't be conformed to what this thing or that says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why it's really important what I'm saying. You have to realize the binding and the loosening is not the greatest weapon against the enemy. We often think, well, what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose down on earth will be loosed in heaven. The binding and the loosening is not the greatest weapon against the enemy. A heart filled with Jesus is the greatest weapon against the enemy. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the greatest weapon coming against the enemy. The heart filled. It affects every part of your life. And you have to stop the car for a moment and understand when I'm talking about the infilling, I'm not talking about you just speaking in the unknown tongue. That's a gift from God. That's a beautiful gift of God that every believer can experience. It's a gift of what I call grace. I'm talking about a spirit filled life. Some of the meanest People I've ever met in my life are tongue talkers. I mean, they're mean, and I want to say please notify your face that you love Jesus. And I'm telling you that for a reason because that is not the qualification of being spirit-filled. That's receiving a free gift from God. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about being a spirit-filled individual. In Ephesians chapter 5, there's no talking about the unknown tongue. If you want to talk about that, you can go to 1 Corinthians 12. You can go to 1 Corinthians 14, Acts chapter 2, Acts 19. But in Ephesians 5, it talks about a spirit-filled life. In a spirit-filled life, it says, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, listen to this, husbands will love your wives. Huh, that's pretty cool, isn't it? And then it says, listen to this, husbands, wives will submit yourself to your husband. I like that even greater. So being spirit-filled doesn't just get you talking in the unknown tongue, it gets you speaking correctly in English. It's not just speaking in the unknown tongue, it's talking about correct things in English, being filled with the Spirit, affects how you treat your wife, it affects how you treat your husband. So you can't say, well, I speak in a tongue, and the unknown tongue, and not honor the woman that God has brought you. That goes for a spouse, it goes for a girlfriend, it's one and the same. You can't say, I honor God, I'm Spirit-filled, and dishonor another person. That's not how it works, is it? It's certainly not how it works in the scripture. It might work that way in your neighborhood, how you were raised, but it doesn't work that way according to God's plan. It says when you're filled with the spirit, it's chapter 6, it says children will obey their parents. I'm working on that one. I don't think I'm doing very good. I can write a pamphlet, not a book on how not to raise children. When you're filled with the Spirit, you read it down in chapter 6. Listen to this. It says you'll know how to honor that job you're working for even though your boss is spitting pea soup and they're, and they're doing the 360 because they're demon-possessed. You're not working under the demon-possessed boss. You're working unto God. When you realize that you're honoring God with your life, it doesn't matter if your boss is crooked. It doesn't matter if they're disrespectful or dishonorable. You're not working under that man or woman. You're working unto Almighty God. Can I get a witness this morning? Think about that. So being spirit-filled, it affects every part of our life. That's why being filled is the greatest weapon against the enemy. It's so simple but yet it's so profound. It's the greatest weapon against the enemy and we have to guard ourselves from this re-entry issue. Things want to come back in our lives. Doubt, unbelief, discouragement, betrayal, anger, animosity, um, things that would try to come and hurt or destroy our joy and our peace. Decisions that we've made in the past try to launch themselves into the future. The gospel tells us something interesting. Do you know it's called the synoptic gospels for a reason? It means Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're syncing together to tell you the total of the story. That's why when you read the book of Matthew, you read the book of Mark, the book of John, uh, and the book of Luke, it's given you the entire story but in different perspectives. That's why they call that the synoptic gospels. And every one of those stories, it tells us the story of Jesus. When he goes into the temple, No, many of you know the story, and he, he sees the money changers. He's going in the house of God. He sees them selling stuff and ripping people off. So what does he do? He gets angry. He gets angry and he whips the cord around his hand. He turns over the money table. I mean, he goes Stockton on him. He flips it over. He says, he flips it over. His eyes are as blazing fire. And he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, <coughs> but you have made it a den of thieves. Why? Because when, when the cause is righteous, sometimes anger could be love's clearest voice. <coughs> Excuse me. When the cause is righteous, anger could be love's clearest voice. So we hear this story of this triumphal entry. Jesus, he's coming into the temple. He's coming into the the great Passover. But do you know what John does? Remember, there's synoptic gospels. Do you know what the book of John tells us in John chapter two? That Jesus not only cleanses the temple, but he does it in the beginning of his ministry. And he comes back and he does it at the end of his ministry. Why doesn't it say that in any other Gospels? Because it's telling you something that is important for us to understand. He shows us that Jesus, not only when he came the first time he did it, he comes back three years later and they were doing the same thing. They didn't stop the first time. They were doing the exact same thing. So guess what he did? He did it again. Here's why. Stuff comes back. Stuff comes back. Stuff that do not belong to us come back. Why did he do it? Because stuff comes back. He shows us that he has to re-enter the temple again and do it all over again. What a beautiful picture that is. Because the Bible calls you and I the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're no longer looking for a building or looking to go to the great synagogue or looking to go to the great megachurch or looking to go to this facility or that facility. You and I are the temple and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. That's why when people say, and I've heard preachers preach it, we got to go back to default. I think to myself, default, when you take your phone and you put it back on default, it goes back to the original settings. That is true. But if we were to go back on default, we would go back into the garden where Adam and Eve sinned and ate the forbidden fruit. So I don't need to go back to default. I need to make a decision to sit in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I don't want to go back to default because I'll go back into the garden where the original sin happened. I need to sit in heavenly places and make a decision because my life is not my own, nor is yours. We were bought with the precious blood of the Lamb of God, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. That means my life is not a garbage can. You can't come and dump your trash on me. You can't come bring your junk to me. I don't receive it. I reject it because I belong to God. I am royalty, a king and a priest of the most high God and so are you once you understand that you'll carry yourself a little different you'll start walking like you'd have been shot in the hip you'll start having dignity look at people in the eye smile at them smile at people because you have the love of the Lord in you don't have that bad resting face you ever see people with the bad resting face death warmed over man But you have to realize that, so when you get saved and you get delivered from stuff, it doesn't mean the battle's over. It really means that stuff will try to come back. Why do you think people get back on drugs, back on alcohol, back in ungodly relationships? Because that old feeling, remember that you used to sing the song back in the 80s, chasing a feeling? That old feeling tries to come back. And if you're not careful, you've gotta resist and reject rejection. You've gotta resist those things because the battle reveals more than any church service will ever reveal. What you're going through, it reveals what's inside of you. You know, I wish the thermometer was church service. I wish we can gauge our lives by church attendance and church services. Because if we could do that, you guys were amazing, victorious warriors for the Lord today. I mean, you worship the Lord, you were participating with the worship team. I mean, hands down, if this is the thermometer and the gauge for being victorious in battle, we win. But that's not the gauge, I wish it was. The gauge is when we can love a brother who has hurt us. Jesus said it this way, how can you say you love God who you can't see and hate the man who you can see. He talked about the love of the father is not in you. So the gauge is not a service like this. The gauge is when I have an opportunity in the parking lot to be offended or when I, when I get that phone call that they're asking for something and I've already told them no a million times but they keep on asking. The gauge is when the issue of the enemy tries to come in again and bring back that old hurt, bring back that old feeling. Bring back that old situation. I can tell you the battle exposes us more than any church service will ever do. And you have to know things will change you because of experiences. I can tell you from experience, this is from pure experience. Marriage changes you. Am I talking to anybody that's married? How many of you are married? How many of you wish you were married? How many of you are sorry you're married? Don't raise your hand. But marriage changes you it's, can I, I've been married now this September 2nd, 23 years, it's pretty good, pretty good, marriage tip, man, I've got one for you, ready for it, your wife will never start a fight while you're cleaning, I'm just saying, you want to be fight free, always around the house, what can I do for you, mija, Where's the cord for the vacuum, the length? What can I do for you? I want to clean more. She'll never pick that fight with you. As long as you're cleaning, it's all good. Some of you men are going to go home, baby, what do you need? Can I help you? You know, where's that, where's that, where's that, where's those dishwashing soap? I want to, I want to dishwash clean. And well, really no revivals broke out in the home. But it's, it's kind of funny though, because when you're in love, you'll you'll start changing stuff. It's true, right? When you're in love, I remember first meeting Jennifer and my friend would talk to me and he'd say, Donnie would say, uh, you often talk about Jennifer. This is 25 years ago. He'd say, you, you know, you're talking about Jennifer, that girl often, you know, and, I, and I, would, I was a traveling minister. How to be a single traveling minister? I was a bachelor to the rapture. So I was a single traveling ordained minister. So I had my fare of people that would come not for the right reasons. I had my sections So the ladies would come, and they would, you know, they'd come and say, you know, we love you, and then they would always be pastors' daughters. They'd come, and it used to hurt my feelings because I thought they were having me preach because I was a good preacher. They were having me come to marry their daughters. (laughs) Hurts a guy like me who's insecure. And so I, I was talking about Jennifer to Donnie, and I said, I said, yeah, this, 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 and he says, he says, you know what? You really like her, don't you? Oh no. So no, no, no you love her, I can tell, you've never talked about a girl, and I've known you now for years, you've never talked about a girl other than Jennifer, you love her, and I said, I don't love her, have you looked at me, no, I do not want to be married, but you know what I found myself doing, really falling in love with that beautiful blonde woman, and when I started to, fall in love with her, do you know that, I wasn't raised in church, so you have to understand, I was raised different than a lot of people, so I had certain hangups and things, you know, it's just different, and so I found myself changing things because Jennifer was into it. I mean, in the older we get, you know, now I understand what shiplap is, and I'm like, well, you know, there's shiplap on that construction work, and that's pretty good, the reveal's pretty good, but I think they should've went with a tone, different color, why, I have no idea, but because she likes that, and I love her, I find myself watching house reveals. Because when you love someone, you're willing to change stuff. Some of you have never met a godly man if he's not going to change, ladies. If he's not going to change, he's not very godly, he doesn't love you, and he's not going to be willing to change for you. Why do you think he changed for God? I say that because it really is true, right? When you're in love, you change stuff. That's why some ladies like wear a football jersey. You don't like football. You like your man who likes football. You don't even know who's the quarterback, who's the tight, who, what, what pattern are they running? You're like, I don't know. Just like the color of the jersey. Like, I, just, I meet so many people that claim to love football. I'm like, lady, you do not like football. You love the man who's obsessed with football. See, there's a difference. When you love someone, you're willing to change. When you love God and you get filled with the Spirit, you're willing to change. You'll love what he loves. You'll start to dislike what he tells us he doesn't like. Then, as you grow more in love, you'll start to hate what he hates You'll love what he loves, but in turn, you'll start to hate what he hates. How many of you know, if someone doesn't like my children, I don't like them. You got a problem with my girls, you got a problem with me. I mean, we got drama happening up in the high school. I'm like, you need me to go down there? Why? Because if you don't like my daughters, I don't like you. Pastor or not, I could care less. I'll beat him up right in front of everybody. You say, well, that doesn't sound very godly. No, because I love my children, and I love what they love, and I don't like what they don't like because I love them. It goes that way for God. When you love God, you'll love what he loves, you'll hate what he hates, and you'll start moving in the direction to be filled with him. Because, listen, Not only do the battles show us what we're really made of, but there's always going to be a Philistine that shows up. There's always going to be a fight that shows up. Here's Saul at the end, in the beginning, a Philistine. At the end, it's a Philistine. When we get to the very end, here they come again. That's why these things, they come and win. And you win this, but you lose this. The battles are always give and take. David fights Goliath, but you know what? The Philistines keep showing up. Fast forward to the 21st century. Do you know what the Palestinians are? They are a derivative of the word Philistine. Why? Because they keep showing up. They keep showing up. My point is, there's always a battle and a fight. No matter how long you've been saved, there's always going to come with this familiar thing that tries to come back at you. That's why you have to understand, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Some of us have never heard that scripture in the context in which I'll share with you, but you have to understand, the weapon that the enemy has come against you with has been formed and fashioned specifically to take you out. He knows how to get you. He knows how to get you with drugs. He knows how to get you with alcohol. He knows how to get you with the eyes you shouldn't be looking upon things. He knows how to get you in relationships at work. He knows how to get you with this certain thing or that certain thing. That's why I don't put bumper stickers on the back of my truck. I know how I drive. I don't do it, follow me to Oasis because I might cut you off to get to Oasis. You drive slow, I'm milking it or moving it. I'm coming around you. I might cut you off. My truck's big, I'll cut you off. So I'm not like, follow me to Oasis. The carpenter is my boss. (laughs) My boss may not be the carpenter. You strike me wrong. My point in that is, the enemy knows what to go after us with. The weapon has been formed and fashioned, specifically tailor-made to take you out. Though it's been formed, and though it's been fashioned, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't have to prosper. It doesn't have to prosper. And in closing... God will always allow these Philistines to show up until you and I pass this test. That's a point that we certainly don't want to hear because we want to hear you know, this, I want this, I name this, I claim this, I have this, but the enemy will always show up and God will allow the Philistine to always show up until we pass that test. Why do you think that dude calls you all the time, ma'am? Why do you think that situation comes and they just come back around at you yet again? Because the enemy will always send that Philistine to come after. And God will allow it to happen until you can pass that test. You need to learn how to say no. Pass the test. Because there's always going to be a Philistine that's showing up to the party. And you and I need to learn, I can pass this test with the Holy Spirit's help. I need to be filled with the right stuff. That's what spirit-filledness is all about You don't need to impress anybody, no man, no woman. You need to impress God Almighty. We need to be more impressed with Him than anyone or anything. I say that because the Philistines keep showing up in our lives, and God will always send them until we humble ourselves and say, Yes, Lord, I am willing to pass this test. Can we stand together all over the building? Thank you for listening to the Oasis Church Podcast. You can find our podcasts wherever podcasts are available. For more information, go to experienceoasis.org. Thanks again for listening.